Hebrews chapter 4. title of this message and where I am heading uh, is Entering His Rest Now and Forever. Entering His Rest Now and Forever. The subject of God's rest begins in chapter 3, verse 11 of Hebrews, and it's woven in and out of the uh, text uh, actually through all of chapter uh, 4. So we're just going to start in at verse 1 of chapter 4 and uh, read to verse 11. Everyone with me? Hebrews 4 verse 1. Therefore, let us fear, lest while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you should seem to come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they also, that is the uh, people of the old covenant, in the old covenant, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has thus said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of their because of disobedience. He again fixed a certain day today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. There remains, therefore, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. The one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone should fall through following the same example of disobedience. When we look into the book of Hebrews, we see that it compares and contrasts the old and new covenants. And in doing that, it shows the superiority of the new covenant. Actually, the contrast is so great that the writer of Hebrews describes the old covenant provisions as mere shadows of New Testament or new covenant realities. Um, just maybe one verse here. For the law... In Hebrews 10.1, for the law, since it is only a shadow of good things to come and not the very form 
not the very image of those things, can never, by the same sacrifices year by year, which they offer continually, make perfect those who draw near. So that old covenant we need to look upon as a shadow of the reality that God was wanting to bring bring forth in Christ. Um, actually, he, the writer of Hebrews goes so far uh, as to say that the new covenant has made that first covenant obsolete. That's in Hebrews 8.13. Now, I said all that to, to set the stage for just this one area that we're going to look at tonight, and that is the area of rest. One of the areas that is brought out as in terms of the contrast between the old and new has to do with this, this area of rest. To understand the book of Hebrews, we must realize that the author often points out that the temporary physical realities of the Old Covenant were intended to teach us about eternal spiritual realities that are given to us in the New Covenant. These eternal spiritual realities could not be attained by the keeping the regulations of the Old Covenant but would be a very important and intrinsic part of the new covenant in Christ. So, we're going to look then at this subject of rest. First, we enter God's rest when we trust him for our salvation. That's a very simple truth. We realize that as Christians, but this is something that the writer of Hebrews was pointing out by way of contrast with the type of rest that was thought of in Old Testament or Old Covenant times. When God brought his people out of Egypt, he promised rest in the promised land. And that was based on if they would just simply trust and obey him, they would find rest in the promised land. But that rest was a temporary, physical reality that most of the people never experienced because of their unbelief and disobedience. You see that in Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, well, just 18 and 19, we'll pick it up there. And to whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? Now, if you read back uh, before that, you'll see that that has, had to do with them coming out of Egypt and uh, the, the going into the promised land. Well, uh, they didn't enter that rest because they were disobedient. And so we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Unbelief and disobedience are almost synonymous here as the writer of Hebrews. The one definitely leads to the other. Unbelief leads to disobedience. Now, in the New Covenant, God has promised a much greater rest, a much greater promised land, one that is spiritual and eternal. This rest would be much more than just some type of physical cessation of warfare and strife. It would be a rest for your souls. 
much more than what was promised in the Old Covenant in terms of the promised land. A rest for your souls. And that's, of course, what Jesus spoke of there in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He said, Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. So something much more profound, something much deeper than uh, the, the physical rest from warfare and strife that was talking of, uh, spoken of under the Old Covenant. A rest for your souls. What are then some of the aspects of this rest for our souls uh, in terms of the New Covenant what God has for us right now under the New Covenant. Well, I'd say it would include a rest from the continually offered sacrifices and ceremonial obligations of the Old Covenant. That was one thing that the writer of Hebrews was stressing. You don't have to go through all that anymore. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, we already read verse 1 where he talks about the law being a shadow of good things to come. But then he says in verse 11, Hebrews 10, verse 11, And every high priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which could never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. He's, he's in a position of rest now, sitting down at the right hand of of God, um, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. So a, a, a doing away uh, with all of those offerings and sacrifices and ceremonial obligations that were so important under the Old Covenant we can rest from those things uh, because Christ has fulfilled all of that. So a rest from that type of uh, obligation. Then this rest would include a rest from all attempts to appease God, talking about the true God, to appease God or any false God. Uh, We have people that are in all kinds of turmoil trying to appease God false gods, and there's even people who are trying to appease the true God. There's no rest for that type of thing. But there is a rest in the New Covenant from that, a rest that ceases striving to earn salvation through our own efforts. So a tremendous aspect of the rest, and this is much in the book of Hebrews about that, This rest would also include a rest from the burden of man-made rules and regulations and rituals. Now here we're we're kind of moving out of Hebrews a little bit because Hebrews is is speaking to the Hebrews, uh, Jewish Christians, but that this reality carries over into the realm of man-made. These were not man-made 
rituals and things. They, they were God-given in the Old Testament. But there, there's a lot of others uh, out in the world around besides what the Jews had, a lot of rules and regulations and rituals, and we can rest. We don't have to seek to, to, to strive to do those things. Um, Colossians chapter 2. We'll read some out of chapter 2 and go right on into chapter 3 because it all fits together here. Beginning with verse 20. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? which all refer to things destined to perish with the using in accordance with the commandments and teaching of men. These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body. These are, there's so, so much of this uh, in the history of the world and it's still going on today, this type of thing. Uh, self-made religion, self-abasement, and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things which are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory." He starts out by saying in verse 20, if you have died with Christ, and then verse 3 of chapter 3, for you have died. So, just like they stick on the tombstone, rest in peace. This is what you need to do. You've died, you see. You've died to those things. So you can rest in peace. You don't have to try to, to, to work all these things that man has uh, come up with in this area of self-made religion, just, just you're dead to it, and so you can rest in those, in 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 ceasing to try to do those things as a way of salvation. This rest also includes a laying aside of the worry about the future. That is a lot of unrest because of the future. But because of what God has told us, because of what he's done in Christ, because of the new covenant that we have in Christ, we know that he will use all things that happens, all things that happen to his children to accomplish good for them. What's that mean? That means you can rest. You don't have to be uptight about the future. He's told you in this new covenant that he is going to use all the things that happen to you to accomplish good purposes in his people. So you can rest in that. So those are some of the present aspects. Now, I'm sure you could name many more, but these are some of the present aspects of the rest that we have in the New Covenant. 
Now, I need to say that this rest is not a laziness. When we're talking about rest, we're not talking about going to sleep. Uh, and it's not an excuse for disobedience. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says what seems to be almost a contradiction. Um, chapter 4, verse 10, back in Hebrews. He says, For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. So he's talking about resting from any works. And then he, but he says this, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone should fall through following the same example of disobedience. So diligence to enter that rest. This almost seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? Well, how are we to understand uh, this rest that we are to be diligent to enter? Well, I think what is going on here in, in this section of Scripture is that the writer has in mind a present aspect of the rest that we have in the New Covenant and a future aspect of the rest that is still to be ours uh, because of the new covenant. So a present and a future aspect. Um, even though as new covenant believers, we are in a totally new arrangement with God, one that includes permanent spiritual rest, we need to realize that the greatest expression of that rest is yet to come. Uh, it's not here yet. In other words, it's in the future. As long as we are alive in this fallen world, our rest will only be partial. We will have to struggle against sin and temptation and unbelief. We must focus on the promises of the new covenant, keep our eyes on those things so that we will enter into all the rest that's there for us in the New Covenant. Uh, so there's a present rest of faith and a future rest for the faithful. Does that mean then that this New Covenant is a conditional covenant? In other words, you have to meet these conditions and then you will get the promises of the covenant? Well, yes and no. It is conditional on faith. You can see that throughout this chapter. You've got, you're going to have to believe and continue to believe. It's conditional on faith, but God works in us the faith that's necessary for the new covenant. In other words, part of the new covenant includes the working in us of the faith that's necessary for us to enter into that rest. You see that, for instance, as the writer is explaining the new covenant in chapter 8, for this is the covenant, verse 10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them upon their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. God's going to Put what's necessary in you so that you'll do what's necessary uh, so that the, the 
new covenant will become a reality and a continual reality in your life. Um, Hebrews 13, the writer, the writer ends off the book, the letter, uh, Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. What's, what's he working in us? Well, one of the things he's working in us is faith. working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Of course, this is the same thing Paul taught in Philippians. He said, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And then he goes on a little bit later and says, For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So what I'm saying is that this new covenant... In a sense, it's conditional. It's conditional upon faith. You're going to have to believe and obey God. But in another sense, that condition is included within the covenant itself because God's going to work in you those things that are necessary. Work in us all his good pleasure. So the rest spoken of in the Old Covenant was temporary, partial, imperfect. It had to do with a land. It had to do with physical warfare. It had to do with that type of thing. In contrast, the rest of the New Covenant is permanent, and when Christ returns for his people, it will be complete. It will be like God's Sabbath rest, which began the seventh day of creation, and will continue forever. This is what the example. Actually, you see the writer in Hebrews uses two examples. He uses the idea of entering the, the land, the promised land, from the Old Testament, that example. And he contrasts that to the true promised land and the rest that we can enter in through faith in Christ. But then he uses another example, and that, is, that has to do with the rest that is God's rest on the seventh day uh, of creation. Let's look at that one. Um, chapter 4, verse 9. He says, There remains therefore a Sabbath rest to the people of God. Now that, we probably should have started reading up earlier because that is brought up um, in, in verse 3. For we who have believed enter that rest. Just as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Whose works? God's works. What's he talking about? Well, he tells you. For he has thus said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So he's saying, this rest that I'm talking about is much, much more than just entering into some land somewhere, some physical territory. He said, I'm talking about this rest 
this very rest of God that he uh, entered into on the seventh day. And he's still in, by the way. God, God is still resting from his labors. That's what he says here. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So that's, that's the rest that he's thinking about here now in this. And so then, you get down in verse 9, there remains therefore a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. So he's talking about a Sabbath rest here. And again, when you think of the Jewish Sabbath, it was a weekly thing. Uh, but it had its basis, you see, on God's rest, the seventh day of creation, the day he rested from his activity of creating the heavens and the earth. Um, and he's still, as I said before, he's still resting from that activity. Creation's finished. You might put it this way, God's never going to have to go back to work on this uh, as far as creating the world is concerned. So this weekly Sabbath that was part of the Jewish uh, Old Covenant uh, lasted. It just was one day a week. But it was a reminder of God's Sabbath rest that once it began, it never comes to an end. And this is the, this is the rest we're invited to in the, the New Covenant, something much deeper, much more uh, significant and important than any of the rest related to a land um, or a territory. So the point I want to make is this. In the New Covenant, there is a rest of faith in Christ right now. That's a reality. And then there is a complete rest of fulfillment when Christ comes again. So there's this, this rest is a reality now, but there's more to it than what we know right now. And the rest that we are, I, I, I believe the rest that he's talking about here in verse 9, there remains therefore a Sabbath rest to the people of God, is mostly future yet. The rest that he's talking about there. The true Sabbath rest is found only by faith in Christ. It's, uh, it's not in any of the shadows that uh, were types and were temporary, but it is found in the substance, which is Christ. So we are called to rest in him completely now so that we shall have complete rest in him throughout eternity. Well, for me, this is something that uh, I'm still learning to rest in Christ completely now and to uh, look forward to complete rest in him in, in heaven. One of the things that that uh, the writer is bringing out over and over again is that this it is by faith 
if you're going to have any rest now, it's going to be a rest of faith in Christ. If you're going to have this complete rest in him in the future, it's, it's by putting your trust in him now and, and continuing to trust him. This is what he takes the Old Testament example of a physical realm and says those people didn't enter in because of their unbelief, because of their disobedience. And then he takes that over into the spiritual realm and says, if you do not believe and consequently disobey, you won't enter in either. But he's persuaded better things of these people. He believes that they really are true believers and will put their trust and continue to put their trust in Christ alone for their rest now and their eternal Sabbath rest as the people of God. Well, I don't know if uh, that was clear enough to help anybody, but maybe it'll give you at least a, a, uh, a framework to think about that section of Scripture. It's not an easy section of Scripture, but he was using those Old Testament shadows to teach us about New, new Covenant reality. And if we just remember... I think it's helpful to remember that there's a present aspect to this rest and a future aspect to the rest that he was talking about. Well, let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us to look to Christ as our Sabbath rest and to put our trust completely in him we know there's no rest anywhere else. We ask, Father, that you would uh, increase our faith, that we might be increased in just our resting in him. Thank you for this section of scripture and we do pray for more uh, enlightenment, more discernment in relationship to what is written here. Help us to focus upon Christ. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.